Welcome to Begin Where You Are, a podcast from Covenant Presbyterian Church focused on discipleship. My name is John Wasson, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Begin Where You Are is the answer to a question that I get asked a lot. Uh, We're all searching for concrete ways to live out our faith, and and it's not always clear where we should begin. Uh, There are a lot of different entry points to the life of discipleship. So this podcast is an invitation to uh, begin where you are, and hopefully we can provide some resources and practices that are useful to you. Our first series is focused on the Bible. We're preaching our our way through the Bible this summer, and we've invited all of you to read along with us. And you can find resources as well as a reading schedule online at covenant.org slash stories dash of dash God. One of the resources we've provided is a roadmap with five signs to help you navigate the territory of Scripture. And uh, in each of our podcast episodes, we'll explore one of these signs. In this episode, we'll explore the sign that reads, Scripture is where we expect to hear God's word to us. God has something to say to each of us in our particular lives. We're going to explore this sign a little bit more with our guest, Eric Barreto. My guest today is Eric Barreto. Eric Barreto is a Bible scholar, professor of New Testament at Princeton Seminary, and author. His latest book, which he co-authored with Michael Chan, is called Exploring the Bible. Thanks for joining us today, Eric. Glad to be here, John. We uh, we are in Princeton, New Jersey, in this uh, beautiful library. I think named the library yet. I think it's just the library. It's just the library on There campus. are different parts. There's rooms that are named and an atrium that's named, but I think but there it's hasn't, just the that's library. The naming rights are still available at, for, any, for anyone you know, for, for any corporation that wants to uh-huh. dig in, we can, it can be the 3M three, Seminary the Library. The 3M Seminary Library. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful spring day. It's a good yeah. day to talk about the Bible. Amen. Uh, so, Eric, I want to talk about your book, which is really good and I think helpful for normal people, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> kind yeah. of non-academic, non-seminarian, yeah. uh, to, to read and understand and to understand kind of what the Bible is all about, right. get a good framework before um, before they jump in and read the Bible. So I want to talk about the book. Great. I want to talk specifically about um, the Word of God, what we mean when we say the Bible is God's Word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to just start by asking kind of a question about reading the Bible. Sure. So I mentioned to you that as a congregation, we're walking through the entire Bible this summer. We're going to kind of preach through it, uh-huh. and we're inviting our congregation to um, to read through it throughout their weeks, kind of roughly 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I want to just start by asking, is this a good idea? Uh, <laughs> what do you think? So on the one hand, I think 12 weeks is very ambitious, right? I mean, because right. it's part of what we have here is not just there's just so many words, right? And there's so many books and there's so many chapters, mm-hmm. but that... Um, it's a lot to get through, right? So we're not just talking about stories that start in creation and end in the apocalypse. You've got ventures into genealogies, ventures into poetry, gender, you know, you go into Proverbs. You have all these, not just different books, but different kinds of books all together. Right, right. So part of the challenge, I think, is how do we read these different kinds of books? So we know how to read a fairy tale, for example, differently than we do a newspaper. Okay. Like you pick it up, you read the first line, and it says... Um, um, how did fairy tales start? Uh, Once upon a time. Once upon a time, right? So that gives you all these contextual clues. Sometimes we don't quite know how to read those contextual Mm. clues in Scripture because 
these are old genres. These are old ways of reading. So um, I think it, 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 it'll be a challenge, but I think it's, it's a productive challenge for churches to take up because these texts are, I think, the lifeblood of churches. They're mm -hmm. the lifeblood of our community together. Uh, not because they're, this is rule book that tells us what to do exactly at what moment, but because it's these stories, these imaginations that shape how we relate to one another, how we understand who God is, and what kind of expectations we have about who God is and where God might show up. Hmm. Um, and part of what we need is not just you know the, the little section of Scripture that I know really well because I like it. It's dealing with the breadth and the diversity of, of the testimony that we find in all these wild and wacky texts. So um, I commend you for doing it. Um, if 12 weeks isn't it's enough, validation. you can just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All we have is time. Just keep reading. <laughs> I, I asked the question not to, not, you know, not because I'm seeking validation. So I'm, I'm happy to receive it. Yeah. Uh, but because, you know, I, I was kind of cynical at first mm. about even this idea. Sure. Even though it was, it was part of an idea that, I, that the, the pastors had, uh -huh. and even uh, Thomas uh, our senior pastor was really excited about and wanted to preach through it, but it just seems like way too fast mm. and kind of gimmicky to yeah. walk through the Bible. And yet at the same time, uh, you're right. Like we read short texts of scripture right. and we privilege certain texts over others. Of course, yeah. And we don't always walk through the entire kind of narrative together. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's what I love about yeah. it. Um, what can, you know... But at the same time, like if you told me you, you're doing over a year, I'd say that's probably not enough time. If you told me it was five yeah. <laughs> years, I'd probably say that's probably not enough time. You got to take it right. go take slow. It, take it slow. There's I mean, a this is this is a lifetime discipline of faith, right? Mm. That we read these texts and we keep coming back to them because the words of the text may, might not have changed, but our communities change, our world changes, we change, and we'll see different things in that text. Right. Right. So, so it's you, never quite enough time. <laughs> it's never quite enough time. Yeah. Um, what What can we remember? So, you know. As we're reading along, yeah. um, we're getting kind of bogged down in, mm. um, you know, Second Chronicles, yeah, yeah, or like, yeah. you know, in the middle of Isaiah, and we're yeah. like, what do, I, what do I need to remember? What is actually going on here? Like, huh. do you have some practices, some habits, some things that we can remember as we're kind of making our way through the story to yeah. keep the whole thing in mind? Yeah, um, well, well, I think part of it is to remember that the whole thing is many things at the same time, right? So. We don't need kind of one unifying Genesis to Revelation narrative. Um, we've got a lot of voices in these texts. So to kind of appreciate the distinctive voices of each one. So as mm -hmm. you're reading Isaiah, how is it that Isaiah would answer questions differently than, say, Genesis or Ecclesiastes or even the Gospel of John? Um, not that these voices are necessarily going to be at odds with one another, but they're going to be looking at faith from all these different angles. So I think yeah. that's part of what's fascinating about doing this is to see, it's going to hear all those voices in their own integrity. Um, and the, the other tip is that I think sometimes we, there, are, there, are, there are parts of Scripture that are more interesting than others, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that there are parts where we're going to feel more engaged. Uh, it could have something to do with the text. It could have something to do with how much coffee I had in the morning. Right. So that if, if you're stuck, don't, like, don't think it's because you're a bad Christian or a bad Jesus follower. It's, yeah. Sometimes the text is... Or a bad reader. Oh, yeah, or a bad reader, right? It's not that at all. So, um, And what, what I think is great is that you're all doing this together because there are parts of Scripture that I probably gonna, I'm probably i going to read and think, there's nothing here for me. Hmm. But my neighbor 
is going to see things in there that I can't see on my own and say, well, did you notice this and this? Right. And then I go back to that text and all of a sudden I see it in a new light. So I think that's maybe the other tip is to remember. I think this is the, the first line of the book is that we never read the Bible by ourselves. By ourselves, right. Um, so just to remember that. We're, we're, you're, you're doing this in community as, right. as God, I think, intended. So let's talk about this. I, I think this is, you did something really interesting in the book in that you opened the book with a section entitled, What is the Bible? Mm-hmm. But your first chapter isn't really about the Bible itself. Mm, yeah. So you don't begin with, the Bible is an ancient book. That's right. by, you know, a lot of different people over yeah. you know, a certain period of time. You start with um, trying to get readers to understand who they are yeah. as readers of the Bible. So why did you start like that? And yeah. what are you trying to say about what the Bible is by beginning mm-hmm. in the way that you did? Yeah, that was pretty intentional on our parts. This is my, my colleague, Michael Chan, and yeah. I did this. Uh, and part of it is this conviction that who we are matters to God, and it matters to how we read Scripture. Um, I think there was a, a generation not that long ago that uh, pastors and seminarians that were taught and then taught their churches that the best way to read the Bible is to check your identity at the door. So whether it's your racial identity, your gender identity, whatever it is, leave that at the door and try to read the text objectively because what we're after is trying to figure out what Paul thought. Yeah. I mean, I think more and more we've realized the shortcomings of that. I think there's benefits to that, right? Because certainly we bring our biases with us and we can shade these texts and have them say things that affirm us when we actually need to be confronted. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what Michael and I were suggesting in there is that reading the Bible is not just a reading of this ancient dead text. It's the encounter of these old stories with contemporary communities, right. with people who have full lives, who have um, uh, great diverse lives, and that God created us in the midst of that diversity. God created us um, in, in these cultures. So we bring that with us. Um, we don't check it at the door, but we bring that with us and say, how is it that my particular set of experiences help me see things in this text that other people can't see? Hmm. So the, the way I think about this with my students sometimes is to say that, um, you know, I can see straight ahead, let's suppose, I can see straight ahead really, really clearly because of my experiences, because of my identity. There are some things in Scripture that I can see super clearly. But I'm a man, um, and there are parts of Scripture that women will read very differently than I do. That's, that's kind of my peripheral vision. It's fuzzy. It's yeah. not, it, I can't see that stuff as clearly. So I need somebody sitting to my right saying, well, did you notice this? Right. Um, did you ask this question? Um, did you explore this possibility in this text? Because I, I just can't see that. It's, it's blurry to me, but somebody else can see it more clearly. Right. So I think it's important for us to bring our full selves to the reading of these texts. And I think it's important and necessary for us to lean into one another to figure out how God is speaking into our communities today. Right. So yeah, we wanted to start with the reader because, um, you know, without readers, it's just these marks on a page. Yeah. Um, and, and the other way I, I want to think... Or it yeah, yeah. like the Bible says something. Right. Kind of detached from the people who are interpreting it. Right. That and we have agency in the midst of that, right? right? So I, it's, it's, I always, you know, I don't always trust people yes. who say, yeah. well, the Bible says X. And like, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what you. the Bible says. No, no, you're saying it. Yeah. yeah I mean, you are, we are interpreters. We're yeah. all interpreting together. Right. Right. And obviously there are more faithful interpretations than others. And we have ways of arriving at those faithful interpretations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we always, ha- and this is what I loved about the way you started, was that you're, you're always interpreting. We're always, always. interpreting the text and always. reinterpreting the text. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and while there are those kind of, that kind of base, I don't know, historical, literal right. 
facts on the ground. Totally. Like, these things happened. We yep. gotta have. We kind of have to understand those those things. But yep. um, there's also these other layers of meaning mm-hmm. that are also on top of that foundation, right? Right. 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 Um, yeah, first century Jerusalem is not 20th century Austin, Texas. Right. 21st century is more right. than 21st century. It's not 20th century Austin, Texas either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, those, those historical realities, I think, right. are good for us to encounter. At the same time, I mean, there's a way in which God meets us in these texts, no matter how much we know about the ancient world or we don't know about the ancient world. Hmm. Um, one of the ways I think about this is that when we think about the inspiration of, of Scripture— uh, at least in the tradition where I grew up, the sense was that that inspiration was over and done with those thousands of years ago when Luke picked up his pen, when Paul stopped Got it. talking to it, to his scribe. But inspiration means, and Jesus talks about this, whenever two or three are gathered together, Jesus shows up. Right. The Spirit shows up. We're still in the midst of these moments of inspiration. Uh, so they're not locked away in the past. Hmm. They're in your community. When you when you all sit together dur- during these 12 weeks and read these scriptures, the Holy Spirit shows up. Right. And the Holy Spirit will show us things that we can't see on our own. Uh, right. And sometimes it's through the witness of other people. Right. I think it's a real it's a real gift of the Spirit. One of the signs of that of that inspiration that I love within our community is just, you know, prior to the preaching. Mm is to invite the congregation to listen now for the word of the Lord. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. many of us blow past that. Sure. It's like, a, it's just, he's going to say the thing. <laughs> but really what we're doing right there is is inviting uh, kind of all of us to pay mm-hmm. attention to that inspiration, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. listen now for um, to for what God might say. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's kind of the indication that you might miss it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I love that kind of ongoing of uh, inspiration yeah. um, that you mentioned, and and we've we've kind of given a roadmap to uh, to the congregation to help us read through the Bible. So That's... thinking about the Bible as kind of the a journey or, yeah. or a world, yeah. something we're trying to navigate. Great. We've given these five signs or signposts nice. to kind of pay attention to along the way, so that we don't get lost. Yeah, and. Um, one of those, this, you know, the second signpost is that the Bible is where we expect to hear God's word nice. to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a chapter in the book, kind of on this very thing. Mm. What what is the word of God? And so I'm hoping you can kind of help us understand what we mean when we talk mm-hmm. about the Bible as God's word. Yeah. What does it mean for us that we say that thing? Yeah. Uh, listen now for the word. Yeah. Of God, can you flesh that out for us? I mean, it's extraordinary for us to make that claim because yeah, uh, I think about letter the letters of Paul, for example. Yeah, um, here is a Paul early on in his career probably thinks the the end of the world is around the corner, and he's writing these letters to these communities because of the urgency of the moment. Hmm. Um, and he's writing these letters. Maybe he's thinking about them deeply. Maybe he's not. Who knows? You know, maybe it depends on the day. But he sends off these letters, and then these letters kind of take up a life of their own. They start being collected together and, and going out to these different communities. Or think about, say, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke, I think it's pretty clear, is thinking about his particular community, the people he knows and loves best. And yet here we are here, these couple thousand years later, reading these texts, wondering, what did Luke mean by this? What, hmm. what was going on in Luke's hmm. community, a community that's always kind of beyond our understanding and, hmm. and knowing who they are? So we have all these texts that came from a very particular place and time, thrown together into this library that we call the scriptures. And we confess that God has something to do with their composition, with their collection, and now God has something to do with our reading of these texts together. Hmm. 
That's, I think, pretty extraordinary yeah. claim to make. Yeah, it's um, a huge claim. Um, and it's striking because the claim isn't that these are the kind of uh, somebody listening to God on a speaker and it comes right down and we copy them. Right. These are people in the midst of a complex world trying to make sense of who God is, mm-hmm. um, just like us. So mm-hmm. because of that, I think what we mean by the word of God, we kind of have to grapple with that. So it means that these are words that God speaks, yes. Um, but there are also words that humans speak, uh, whether it's the, the human that wrote them, the human that now reads them in front of your church on Sunday mornings, and yeah. the human that interprets them, and then all the humans later on at, over coffee talking about what they've heard and what they've seen. Right. Um, that there's a way in which all these humans speaking about God is a way in which God speaks to us as well. Hmm. Um, so when we say the word of God, I mean, it's this, it's this profoundly incarnational moment as well where, where God shows up in our midst, in human flesh, right. uh, as God does in Jesus' own life and kind of re- uh, resurrects that every Sunday when we read these texts together. Right. Is there, a, is there an interpretive, um, I don't know, uh, kind of a guideline mm. or an interpretive like stopgap huh. for the word of God. I mean, huh. is is it Jesus? Is it, you know the Jesus as yeah. the kind of final word of God, the yeah. living word of God, the capital W word of God, yeah. and the scriptures bear witness to mm-hmm. this capital W word of God, and that yeah. would be if you can't say it about Jesus, can you really say huh. it's the word of God kind yeah, of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what is your what? I wonder How do those two things relate to each yeah, other? Yeah, this, this metaphor of a stopgap is, I think, really helpful. So where is it that, how far is it that the scripture will take us? Mm-hmm. And when do we know, okay, this is no longer the word, the word of, of God, God speaking to us. Right. This is a misunderstanding. This is a misinterpretation. This is right. a misreading. And I think different communities think about this differently. So one of the ways I like to think about this is to think about the resurrection power as that stopgap. So what does Jesus tell us? What does Jesus teach us? What does Jesus embody in the resurrection? Is that death does not get the final word. Despite all evidence to the contrary, despite as many of us who've sat next to a a dying family member um, or a sick family member, we confess that death does not have the final word. So if a reading of Scripture does not lead to the abundance and proliferation of life, And that can't be the word of God. If it, if it deadens, if it oppresses, if it holds people down, if it challenges people's humanity, um, their createdness as, as people created in the image of God, then we're, it's something else other than the scriptures. Yeah. Now that leaves a whole lot of ground for us right. to, 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 but at least that's a, a starting place is that we, our expectation is that this word will speak life to us. Now, this does not mean that there are not terrible things in the scriptures that, right. um, that we, we read and we wonder what in the world this has to do with this life-giving God. Right. But I think that's still the parameter within which we work. We work yeah. in the wake of the power of the resurrection. Hmm. And we read in the wake of the power of the resurrection and wonder, where is life blooming right now? That's good. I like that. Um, one one last question. Maybe it's kind of fun. I don't know. You, you, you teach, I like to have fun. You teach seminary students. I do. So you, you know, people are coming into your classes with ideas about the Bible, yeah. habits about the Bible. Yeah. You are also involved in in, uh, in the church. Yeah. What What are some bad habits oh. that we <laughs> so. that we could give up as we're reading this summer? Yeah. Um, you know. So one's funny. Yeah, I can think of me, one funny one. Give me one. And, I'll, I'll, okay. and then I'll tell you some serious okay. ones. One funny one. I don't know. Did you ever do this growing up when 
you're really forlorn or sad. So you throw open the Bible and you put your finger down and mm-hmm. say, ah, oh, this is what God's word for me. Right. So <laughs> I did that once in front of a church group and you never know what you're going to, I won't tell you what I dropped on. Right. It was, it was very unfortunate piece of scripture <laughs> to fall on. So you never know. But, but that actually leads us to something serious, right? Is that we sometimes uh, treat the Bible um, like a magic eight ball yeah. in the extreme, or in a more subtle way, we treat it like a Hallmark card, hmm. that it's full of inspirational quotes, things that empower me, and that's all for the good. Um, but I wonder if instead of that, to think of the Bible as these, um, these many voices, these many narratives trying to make sense of who God is, instead of just an, a rule book, instead of a you know, if you're feeling sad, read this. If you're feeling happy, read that, right? It's, no, what is this story trying to do to us? Um, other bad habits, I think, um, is to uh, try to flatten the witness of, of that testimony. So, you know, we've got four stories about Jesus. The church knew, the early church knew full well that these four stories were not exactly the same. And some people try to kind of harmonize them together, put them together, and then right. the rest of us said, no, we're going to keep those four stories, not because we were naive, but because we said, this event, this, this Jesus, can't be captured by one story. Right. And we're going to live in the tension of that. So one, one bad habit sometimes we have is that we try, we try to harmonize the stories and we forget, okay, was that in Mark or was that in Matthew? Was that in Luke? Right. As if they mean, mean the same thing. Right. So let Mark be Mark. Let Matthew be Matthew. Let, let Luke be Luke. Um, I think maybe another bad habit is we get intimidated by the scope and size of this. Yeah. Um, or that and related to that is that we assume that our pastors are the experts on this stuff and that like <laughs> I can't read it as well because I didn't go to seminary yeah. or I didn't learn yep. Greek and that's that's just not true. Right. Um, God has chosen all kinds of people throughout uh, the testimony of scripture and God still does that. God speaks through me through to children who read these texts and see things that my educated mind can't see. Right. Uh, so I think for us to get rid of the habit of assuming that reading the Bible is the is in the field of the experts and to yeah. say, no, this is the field of the people of God. Yeah. And God will speak through you and help you become a minister to other people by helping them see things in the scriptures that, that they can't see on their own. Right. So, which, which, which comes back to the beginning of the book, right? Yeah. Which is we never read the Bible by ourselves. That's right. And we can't read the Bible by ourselves. Never. Um, pastors can't read the Bible no. faithfully without, um, you know, a lot of different people in their congregations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people in congregations can't read the Bible by themselves just right. alone. They need, yeah. they need to do it in community. And not just can't, but we shouldn't. Like we shouldn't. That's, we, we'll miss something. Fun. No, we'll miss something. We'll miss the fullness of God's witness, of God's testimony. We'll miss the, the fullness of who God is, who Christ is, who the Spirit is. Um, so you could go off and kind of take a hike and read by yourself, but even there, the... Yeah. Your culture is with you. Your community is with you. Your right. the world that has shaped you is with you. Is and that's, with you. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a thing to celebrate. Well, one of the one of the people you should read the Bible with is is Eric, and uh, you should check out his book. He, he and Michael Chan co-authored "Exploring the Bible." Uh, it's clear. It's accessible. Um, they they talk and write like human beings. Uh, it took a lot of hard work to do that. Yeah, and it will lead you into deeper <laughs> understandings of, of kind of what the Bible is and, and how to read it. So yeah. thanks, Eric. I really appreciate you uh, having this conversation with us. Thanks, John. It was, it was really fun. And all the best as you read the scriptures this summer. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Big thank you to Eric Barreto for being our guest. Make sure to check out his book, Exploring the Bible. 
If you're listening and you have questions along the way, either about something you're reading in the Bible or about content from this podcast, you can email those questions to beginwhereyouareatcovenant.org. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet. Thanks for listening.